Hi, this is Adam Carroll, host of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. In speaking and traveling all over the world, I meet some of the most interesting people. When I meet someone who embodies what it means to me to be the architect of their own life, I invite them to be on the show. The interview you're about to hear is one of these people. Someone who's choosing life over lifestyle, pursuing more of what they love to do and less of what they have to do. The blueprint to get you doing more of what you love is available for download at buildabiggerlife.com. Now, on to the interview. Hey, Life Architects, it's Adam Carroll here with another episode of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. With me today on the show are the debt-free guys. Now, I'm super excited about these two. I met them at a conference recently. We'll talk about that. Um, what most inspired me about their story is the fact that they were debt disasters and now are the dynamic duo of wealth creation and being money conscious. It's David Auten and John Schneider, not the John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard, but that's okay. We love them anyway. David and John were two 30-something professionals. Uh, they were giving others advice about how to manage and invest their money, but they were financial messes themselves. And as I mentioned, they'd amassed over $51,000 in credit card debt. Uh, they began to realize that their life was getting smaller and darker. So they made the change to become money conscious. They paid off their debt in two and a half years. And now they're authors, bloggers, speakers, and video bloggers that help others get and stay out of debt with four proven principles, which we'll cover on the show today. John and David want you to live debt-free, have fun, and be money conscious too. That's why they're on their sh on the show. Guys, thanks for being with me. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Absolutely. Awesome to be here. So you guys know the first question, uh, awesome. as always. What do you love about your life right now? Uh, so I, I took a little bit of time and thought about this one, uh, this one today, and I have to actually read what I read because I kind of get a little choked up on this one. But <laughs> um, what I love most about my right, life right now is um, I really feel like every day that goes by, my life is getting better, uh, that it's improving, and I feel like I really have an amazing life right now, and. Um, I owe so much of that to the person that's standing next to me. All the crazy things that happen in the universe, the world that we live in, and somehow I ended up with this person who, no matter what road I'm heading down, uh, what path I'm following, he's either supporting me or right there with me. And it just it is a, an amazing feeling to have someone with you to be on such an awesome ride right now. It's, our lives are just amazing. I love it. What a cool answer. John, how about you? It's hard to, uh, hard to beat. <laughs> I know. David um, <laughs> set the bar really high for you, didn't he? <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I'll say likewise. <laughs> and then I'll say um, David and I have been working on Debt Free Guys now, uh, going on a little over two years, and it's been a, a lot of work. Um, and we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. And I, so I'm, I'm really excited about that right now, that all, the, all that hard work is really starting to pay off. And, you know, we had every now and then you have those moments where you're thinking, why am I doing this? Does anybody care? Are we even helping anybody? And all of a sudden it seems like um, our reach is expanding. And um, we're excited about that because we're really passionate about this topic and we're really passionate about helping people live the awesome life that David referenced, um, you know, just like we are. So that's, just, I think is exciting. Great answers, both of you. Does it feel like you're in flow right now? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> no. There, there is a, there's a good flow, but there are some, I don't know, uh, ups and downs, I would say, every now and then. Yeah. You know, because we both have full-time jobs. Uh, so uh, Defrey Guys is our side hustle. 
Uh, so we wake up early in the morning and we're doing debt-free guys. We go to our day jobs and then have to completely shift gears. And then we come back home and we do debt-free guys and shift gears again. So that's kind of disruptive. But at the same time, we're fortunate enough to have jobs. We're fortunate enough to have a passion about something that two years into it, despite the hard work, we're still excited about it. Um, so, I mean, so I, I would say for the most part, the flow is good. There are just some, you know, hiccups. But, sure. Yeah. I'd also say I'm a huge Napoleon Hill fan. And one of my mantras in life is his saying, no one drifts to success. And I feel like sometimes we are in that boat and we're paddling along and every once in a while the current is flowing against you, but then you feel like it's not. And all of a sudden you're taking off and you just get that positive reinforcement from somebody who reaches out to you on Twitter or Facebook and says, I love what you're doing. Thank yeah. you very much. You're helping me. That is, that's the, the motivation to continue paddling upstream. You know? Yeah, we and, got a text message from a friend of ours the other day who follows us, of course, and he said, uh, my partner and I went away for a vacation and we decided to do your money chunking strategy. He told us how it worked for them, and it made their vacation a little bit less stressful because they didn't come home with a bunch of debt. And we're like, wow, that's so <laughs> awesome. Somebody used a strategy that uh, we come up with. <laughs> yeah. Someone is listening. I think yes, that, you know what, I, But I think that's what we all want, right? We want to know that what we're doing is making a difference and that um, our experiences are helpful for someone else. And so I want to dig into your guys' experience because you you came together uh, and when you came together, you realized you were 51K in debt, right? So what is that like? You you meet someone that um, you, you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with and, and you go, oh, wait a minute, we have all this debt and we're both spenders and how do we manage that? Yeah, well, we didn't, um, so we met, but we didn't come to that realization immediately. We were probably in a state of um, delusion for about two years. Honeymoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it wasn't until uh, we had moved in together and we were living in a friend's basement apartment. Um, and we had spent the weekend in Winter Park with a, an old college friend of mine. And we were looking at properties in Winter Park and places that we would love to buy. But unfortunately, we knew, having you know been in financial services, that our debt-to-income ratio was never going to get us a loan for you know land up in Winter Park, right. Colorado. So we came home and we were just kind of, you know, it was a good weekend, but we were disgruntled and upset. And we're like, why... Why are we advising people about their money living in a basement apartment with two speed up cars and you know, we can't live the life that we want to live? Um, and then we realized maybe we knew all along, but it just kind of hit us at that point that we were living way beyond our means. We weren't strategically spending the money that we made um, and we, we were just you know, living on, on credit. And that was um, why we were living in a basement, I think. Is that yeah. pretty accurate? I, I think we were also in that... Um the hunt period of, you know, when you're out there searching for the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life. And oftentimes it's during that time period when all financial reason gets thrown out the window <laughs> yeah. because you want to look good. You want to impress this person. You want this person, you want to lure this person or woo this person in <laughs> to your life because you want to be with that person. Come into my lair of debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's really what it was. We, were, we had a layer of debt uh, uh, and it, it, it took us a little while to figure that out. What was interesting, it was, um, I had been laid off from work. And at the time it wasn't, a, we didn't think it was a problem because I got nine months worth of severance pay. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a couple of months off of work. And I did, I, I spent the whole summer with a, a, a friend of mine who works in the school system. And the summer ended, I started looking for work and it still took about three months for me to find a job 
And during that time period, I spent every bit of my severance and my plan was to pay off debt. And I didn't Ouch. at all. Remind you, I still had a job, so um, <laughs> I couldn't have this fun with him. <laughs> I was going to work every day while he and our friend were laying by the pool, drinking cocktails and going out for dinners. Yeah. <laughs> for lunch yes, it was, it was a fun summer. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that, that's our story. I think, you know, another uh, part to that story, though, is I think for at least our generation of gay people, we didn't have the... Um, the life experiences that our straight peers did in high school or college because we were, you know, hesitant, most of us, to come out of the closet and, and to live the life we wanted to live. So we didn't start living, you know, th those kinds of years where we were wooing other people and, and, and um, you know, on the dating scene until we were, you know, in our mid-20s to mid-30s. And so I think it kind of delayed that for us. Yep. Um, so when our, when our straight friends were buying houses and starting to have children, we were, you know, just moving in together and, and uh, deciding to spend the rest of our lives together. So we were just a little bit, maybe about five or ten years behind, I think, our straight peers. So that, do, you, think do, you, do you think there's any similarity with, with the, you know, the millennial generation today is predicted to delay everything? They'll delay having kids. They'll delay buying homes. They'll, you know, delay all that partially because of debt. Do you think that what you guys experienced is, you know, is now happening to the next generation? That's really good analogy. Um, yeah, we, we have been paying a lot, a lot of attention to the millennial generation, um, and have been very concerned about they're, they're delaying a lot of these life experiences, partially because that affects the economy. Right? They're not getting married. They're not having wedding weddings or baby uh, showers. showers and stuff like that. And all that stuff has an effect on the economy. So yeah, that's a really good analogy. I would, I would, I would have to agree with that. Would you? Yeah, I think that there's a slight difference, but I think there's a lot of uh, similarities. I think the slight difference for us was a psychological need to want to feel like we were finally joining the yes. rest of the world. Sure. Um, whereas I think with millennials, they are anchored with this massive amount of debt. You know, they, they have some of these kids are graduating. Well, Natalie, in your uh, podcast a couple weeks ago, I mean, she graduated with $206,000 in student loan debt. I can't imagine. I mean, that, oh, that's a really nice house. It's in most astronomical. I know to have nothing attached to it, but a law degree that she hated. I mean, that's the, right. that's yeah, the hard part. Gotta be painful. Yeah. But you know, she's turned that around and using good things, you know, turn, turn it into a positive story. Sometimes. Yeah. So I'm curious guys, you had, you had 51 K in debt, credit card debt, you know, just to do the numbers, the math on this, most people's credit card debt is not at four percent or seven percent or twelve percent it's at fifteen or eighteen or twenty percent at twenty percent fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt is ten grand a year in interest meaning your interest payments alone were eight hundred dollars a month how do you get rid of it in two and a half years what's the secret um you buy our book for the four <laughs> percent <laughs> the pitch here comes the pitch no I think the big thing for John and I was that we we realized, like you said, it, it's kind of funny you said that our lives are shrinking and getting darker. And here we were living in a basement apartment, and I love the light. I love living where there's lots of light, and I'm living in a basement apartment. And I think that's what really we we kind of opened the doors and shone some light on, uh, shine some light on our debt situation, on our living situation. Mm -hmm. And we said we are not money conscious. We don't. We drive down the road, run every single red light, and we don't know it because we're just living life. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the way we were with our spending. You know, there were weeks when we would go out to dinner, 
and still spend three or four hundred dollars on groceries. What's you know? Why are we spending that much money? So I'm throwing a lot of that away. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So the first step was we we really kind of sat down and became money conscious. We figured out how much money we were making, how much money we were spending, and why were we so upside down. Hmm. And that was the first step because that was that was the shocking step to me was how is it that I'm spending so much money and I don't feel like I'm living the life that I want to live? Yeah. I was, this was right at the very end while I wasn't working and I sat down and I took every single expense for a whole year and I put them all in spreadsheets and it was ridiculous. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> going, to, going to Einstein's and getting a coffee and bagel every single day, spending $5, $6 on breakfast and then turning around and going spending $12 on lunch coming home and having spent $30 at the grocery store for food that didn't give me a $30 meal. Right. Know, it, was, it was just kind of those kinds of mistakes. I was the nickel and dimer. I bought expensive things. <laughs> <laughs> I like clothing, so I, I spent a lot of money on you know, three and four or $500 jeans and shirts that I would only ever wear once because I couldn't be seen twice in it. And um, <laughs> I like shoes a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, so, you know, it, it, but it was kind of affirming in a way because we would, you know, go out and we would look good and people would be like, oh, hey, you guys look great. Thanks. Or, you know, for coming we out did. and you know, hanging out with us and all that stuff. But it, it was a false, you know, validation. You know, we, we didn't realize what that was doing to us. It was kind of almost like, you know, being high on a drug, eventually that was going to come down and you couldn't chase that dragon anymore. So, yeah. um, but like you said, we became money conscious and when we analyzed our spending, we were just blown away. We were just living way beyond our means. And like you said, you know, we were spending about probably about $10,000 a year in interest payments. So when we paid that debt off, we, even without you know, our employer giving us a raise or a promotion, we gave ourselves our own raise. Absolutely. So our, our life actually was able to get bigger, even though, you know, we, we, we had to cut dial it back a little bit. I think, you know, this is part of the reason that I, I love what you guys are about and, and, and the fact that your mission so closely aligns with mine, I think, is that to build a bigger life in my, in my estimation, um, you can do a couple things. You can make a ton of money, uh, but generally what that means is when you make a ton of money, then you work all the time. And so that's not really a big life. Or you can decrease your expenses to the extent that whatever you make is enough to, you know, to build the life that you want. And I think what some people don't realize is the expense of interest in their life. You know, the interest expense on debt is this is one of the of the two greatest expenses we have in life. The other one being taxes. And you guys figured out how to do this, you know, how to how to how to live a debt-free life and you're teaching people the four principles. So I want to know, can you give us the four principles? I want people to buy your book too and we're going to push <laughs> that but but what are the four principles to a debt-free life? Well, the first principle is to be money conscious. Like David said, be aware of your spending and your income and also having a fundamental understanding of what's going on in the economy. Don't just be completely uh, oblivious to that. Uh, the other is uh, we believe that cash is king. Anytime that we've tried to use our credit card even just a little bit, we become unconscious to our spending. It's a little bit harder for us to manage. So we're really big believers on, on, on cash. Uh, the third is to have a financial plan. If you don't have a roadmap, you have no idea where you're going, right? Um, and then the fourth is to live below your means. And even though you're living below your means, like you suggest, we're, we, have, we have a bigger life now than we ever had before. Um, it, we are making more money than we were at that point, but pro proportionally, our lifestyles are much better than they were when we were living on cre in credit card debt. We, we are 
on the 12th floor now of a high-rise condo. <laughs> so we're no longer in a basement. And we've done more travel in the last several years than we did when we were living in a, in a basement. So, um, you know, that, that, that would be the fourth principle. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? <laughs> well, I, th I think that to, to me that the two major anchors are the money conscious and the other one is the financial plan. I think the in-between two pieces, um, uh, living on cash when you're getting out of debt, not using your credit cards is so important, like you said, because then you're not servicing your debt mm -hmm. and you're not accumulating more. But there are other ways to do that. You can still revolve on, on credit cards, but we don't necessarily encourage that. But the, the, the reason I say that the, these are the two anchors is because when you understand how much money you're making and how much money you're spending, you realize where you really can spend your money. Yeah. And that's where the financial plan came in for John and I. We decided that there were so many things in our lives that we didn't want. Uh, we didn't want the fabulous $500,000 home. We didn't want to have $50,000, $60,000 cars. We really kind of sat down and said, what is the most important thing for us? And that was we wanted to travel because we love seeing the world hmm. and we wanted to have a secure retirement. And once we settled on those two things, our whole lives were then built around making sure that those two things happen. And like John said, I mean, we've in, since then, we spent a month in Australia, New Zealand. We've been to England and Spain, Mexico twice, uh, all over the United States. Um, we just, we really enjoy that aspect of our lives, but we do that because we say yes to that hmm. and no to the things that a lot of other people think that we should have, but we choose not to because we choose yes to this. Yeah. Yeah, we get a lot, a lot, a lot of people, when we say we're doing something, like right now we're planning a couple trips um, in the next year or so, and when we tell our friends and family, sometimes their response is, well, how can you do that when, you, when you're debt-free? And I don't, we wrote an article about this, that, that being debt-free isn't synonymous with being poor. You know, it's just about strategically knowing what it is you want to spend your money on yeah. and then preparing for that. So you know, these vacations we're, we're planning are, are at least 12 months out, if you know, not longer, so we can plan for that. And then we'll, we'll do it all in cash um, and not credit. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of ironic that people oftentimes equate the two as being synonymous when they're not. Well, that's because vacations go on credit, don't they? I mean, doesn't everybody do that? That's the deal. That's the American way. Um, what tools do you guys use? How do you, how do you how do you track? How do you plan? How do you budget? Give me some I always, secrets. I always love this question because our, our fanciest tool is Excel. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are high tech. Yeah, it's it's what works for me. Uh, that's what I I found that I I literally go into my Excel spreadsheet a couple of times a week and track my expenses. Um, I try to organize all of our uh, non-discretionary non expenses at the beginning of every pay period yep. so that they get out of our checking account or our savings account immediately so we don't see those. It's just gone. And then I have just a small amount of budget to work with. You know, I just have those, those dis this, uh, discretionary things that we know we're going to spend on. I mean, it, it's, it, it makes it very easy for them for me to say, okay, we're spending $200 a month on, or this pay period on groceries. We spent $50 this week. We have 150 left. You know, it's not this major event for me to sit down and do it. It's just maintaining it kind of like exercising. If you maintain, 
it's a lot easier than trying to lose 25 pounds, gaining 25 pounds, than trying to lose 25 pounds. You know, it's just this little maintenance job for me. Yeah. I like that. That's very cool. Is yeah, um, not fancy. <laughs> how, how much time do you spend? So people will say, well, gosh, you know, we don't have a financial plan, but we don't have time to sit down on the weekend for five hours and build this big financial plan. How, how much time should someone spend mapping out their finances and then turning on a maintenance program? I honestly believe that if, if you are an individual or a couple, you can sit down in probably about two hours and organize your financial life. And that's your, your, you know, your, your initial kickoff of this is how much money we have, this is how much money we are gonna be spending. And then after that, once you've established your budget, like I said, I, I, I'm, I log onto the computer and I look at it for five minutes, maybe three times a week, and I'm done. You know? the, the other thing I love to do is, John and I have this little game that I play um, I do our net worth every pay period. I'm like, oh, we're up $5,000 this week or we're down 2000 You know, we look at what's going on with the market or we look at where we're making some... It's been volatile uh, lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would drive some people to drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd do that, David. Well, right. We're still young enough. I think we're not too concerned about it, but maybe in 10 years we'll have to stop that. <laughs> well, we have, we have some very specific goals. I, right now I am saving for a new car. Um, a new to me car. I'm planning on buying a used car, but I like watching that, you know, at least monthly. I see this increase and I know that I'm just one step closer. I see those cars drive down the road. I want an Audi A4 or an Audi A3 and I see them drive down the road. And I oftentimes I think to myself, a lot of my friends are going to be saying, well, why don't you just go lease it? Or why don't you just go finance it? Yeah. And I'm like, well, cause I'm going to save myself probably at about $2,000 that $2,000, but I can wait a year. That $2,000 is going to take us on vacation as well as buy us an Audi. Yeah. Why not and it, do that? It's exciting to build the anticipation. I mean, because when we do see an Audi on the road, we're like, in six months, we're going to have that. Or eight, eight months, we'll have that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I think we're too eager to, to please ourselves too quickly these days. Uh, we talk about that on the show all the time. As you guys know, delayed gratification is the one thing that most people, you know, don't, don't have. Um, I, I've always said that. You know, the problem with new cars is the new car smell fades, but the new car payment never does. Right. And so we have to, you know, I love what you guys are doing. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, I think you're buying happiness on the installment plan. That's what you're doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. We, we just don't want to, you know, David has a great quote where, he, you know, credit cards were anchoring our future to our past. And, you know, mm. we, by the time we would end up make, you know, paying off some of these, making some of these payments, we no longer had those jeans or that car was no longer a part of our life. And here we were still, you know, paying things off. Um, that food we already ate that was gone. It's just, it makes no sense. Right. Um, we're going to circle back to those $500 jeans too, John. I want to talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> but I looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure your ass was amazing in those jeans. There's no question. Um, so what my mom's probably going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John's mom. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, people will say, well, you're debt free. You can't have any fun. There's no way you guys are having fun. How do you have fun on a budget? What are you doing? Give me some tips. Well, no, go ahead. Uh, you know, one of the videos that we did is called money chunking. Uh, if you search for that debt free guys, money chunking. And that's kind of part of the foundation of what we did when we were getting out of debt and what we encourage people to do today is when you have a budget and you only can spend $50 this weekend 
or let's say you have $200 for the month for your social spending, break it down into those little pieces because you know what happens. I mean, you go out the first weekend and you spend $198.17 and now all of a sudden you have $1.83 for the rest of the month. Yeah. And you know that's not, you're not going to just live off of that or you're not going to, that's not going to be the rest of your fun spending. So we have figured out that when we money chunk or break it down into those smaller pieces and we say we're going to spend $50 this weekend, we have our brains go into hyperdrive and we think about all the things that we can do with $50 and we figure out how to do that. We, we start off with do, figuring out can we do something for free? Are there ways that we can use a Groupon or Living Social or something like that so that we can get a discount? Is there a way to do something with our friends at our house or at their house where we still get that social interaction? And that's one of the ways that we continue to still have fun. But we also have these these kind of medium and medium term goals of where we say, oh, we're, we're delaying for three months because in three months we're going to go on vacation and we're going to be in San Diego or we're going to go to Philadelphia and see John's friends and family. So fun doesn't always need to happen right now. There's ways to have a little bit of fun now and save it up for later. I think another key point is something we've talked about and I've heard you talk about it is, is finding your people. When we were paying off our debt, it was helpful for us to find other people who were trying to achieve, whether it was paying off debt or, or achieving other, another financial goal that would benefit not overspending each weekend, like saving for a house or you know, preparing to have a child, um, you know, finding your people and hanging out with those people. Yeah. And that group of people, you, know, you can kind of, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, whereas now we're hanging out with people who are in the personal finance space and trying to help people you know, with personal finance. And so that's kind of our, our fun right now. You're, you're hanging out with people who always have a buy one, get one coupon in their, in their, in their pocket? <laughs> yes, and we always use theirs and not ours. <laughs> <laughs> that is smart. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, this is such good advice, guys. Um, so I have four rapid-fire questions for you. You ready for these? Sure. sure. I know you're ready. <laughs> These get scary. I've heard some of them. <laughs> I wanted I wanted estimated amount, ballpark best guess, the amount of late fees and finance charges you've ever paid on credit cards. Ballpark best guess. How much? Late fees and finance is, charges. It's ridiculous for me personally because I had credit cards for 17. I had credit card debt for 17 years from the time I was 19 until I was 36. And there was a stretch of time period there where every single month I was getting a late fee. And then they were automatically deducting the funds from my checking account. Oh, no. And so on top of that, sometimes I would get NFS, uh, NSF fees from my bank. Oh, geez. So there were months where I was spending $100 a month to not even make a minimum payment on my credit card. So I'm sure I'm, in, I'm easily in the over well over 10,000 maybe even 15 20,000. Yeah. I could have had that Audi long time ago. Long time ago, <laughs> paid cash for sure. So that's 2 10 to 15,000. Yeah. So between the two of you probably 30 it could be, let's say. Yeah, yeah which easily. you know for some people that's a nice it's a down payment on a home or yeah. a nice cash car. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or a really great vacation. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to make you depressed, John. I'm sorry. I see it in your face right there. Now um, I need to go buy some $500 jeans. To <laughs> <laughs> go feel better about yourself. How about the, this, the number of store cards you had, how many cards from retail outlets? I, I only ever had, um, one store card. Was it Aber Was it Abercrombie and Fitch? No, <laughs> actually I used to work for them, so I didn't need that. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, it was actually Lord and Taylor. 
Um, oh, for the okay. most part, I always had either United um, or Discover. Okay. I don't, if I'm allowed to say that. Anyway. David? <laughs> I also had one. Um, I got duped into this point system with one of the retailers. What was hilariously sad about this is I saved up all of these points, and I had, I think, maybe close to $200, $250 of points to use. But I had also racked up a bunch of debt on that card, so they closed the card down. And wouldn't let you use your points. And you couldn't use the points unless you had the card open, so I lost all of that. Those it shysters. Was, it was so – I mean, the, the look – I'm sure the look on my face when I went with, into the store and tried to use those points, I'm sure they turned around and laughed. It was kind of sad because here I was trying to use the points and I didn't have the credit card. But it's fun to look back on now and laugh. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. our lives have changed so much now. I don't need that. <clears throat> well, my running. Oh, go ahead. No, you first, John. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you talked about, you know, don't look back in the past and be depressed about it. But we wouldn't be where we are today if, if you know, our lives were different in the past, you know. So we wouldn't be debt-free guys. And we're having a, a ball with this right now. So, um, you know, in hindsight, I'm kind of glad that we went through it. Oh, it's very cool. It, we wouldn't be who we are today without those experiences and then making – the decision to make a change. Yeah. We could still be in that past. We could be servicing $50,000 in credit card debt and have a really nice home that stretched all of our spending and feel stressed every single day. And we're not that now. We love where we're at now. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Um, next question, number of $500 jeans you had, John. I wanna know how many, how many are we talking here? Oh, God. Oh, um, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with this because I'm, I'm a thirty. I'm a, I'm a thirty. A I'm a thirty dollar Gap jeans guy. You know, like twenty. If I can get them for twenty bucks, twenty five. That's months. David. Yeah, when he, he saw me go shopping for the first time, I'm surprised he stuck with me. Um, well, so I can. I know the number of jeans I have in there right now, and I haven't thrown any of those jeans away. I think it's six or seven that I have right now it's a good throw, he has thrown some away. dollars <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah. in jeans. Easily. Yeah. You were going to tell him the story when we blew red lights? Yes. <laughs> Let's hear it. I want to hear it. So um, it was a Wednesday or a Thursday night. We were at just a, a, a regular bar with friends of ours, a, a sports bar. And I don't know why anybody thought this was a brilliant idea because we all had jobs to go to the next day. And um, somebody said, let's go dancing. And so we were like, sure, let's go dancing. And I'll take over the story <laughs> at this point. John looks at me and he says, but we can't go because I have nothing to wear. I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops. So we bantered back and forth and it was quarter to nine. We got in the car and I literally ran two red lights to get to the mall in time before it closed. <laughs> John walked into Diesel. I don't know if you're familiar with sure. this diesel store. So this sure. is where you buy $500 jeans. 10 minutes before the store closes and he looks at the woman and says, I want that in my size. I want that in my size. And I want those shoes in my size. And within 10 minutes, he spent five, over $500 and we went dancing that night. <laughs> but and you we looked. didn't go to work the next day. And <laughs> <laughs> didn't go to work. That's awesome. So not only did it cost you $500 plus, but then there was dancing and drinks and the fact you missed work. It cost yes. a lot of money, I'm yes. sure. That's awesome. Luckily, we were salaries, so it didn't hurt our, our paycheck, but um, we... It paid for it. I would call that, ha I'd call that hashtag anti-money conscious. That's <laughs> yes, what I'd call exactly. that. That's Absolutely. what I'd call it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's affirming. Like I said, you know, you walk into the store and, the, and I went so much that they knew me and they knew my size that you can, you can walk in and say, this is what I want. And it happens. But like I said, it's a false, false affirmation. So. Yeah. 
All right, last last number question. Number of money arguments you guys have had. <laughs> well, we still have those a little bit because we have a slight, dif- slightly different definition of being money conscious. Um, I don't know. We probably have a we have a money discussion at least well every day. Arguments? Would you say? I don't think we we really fight. Uh, I think there are times when we get a little um, possessive of the decisions we want to make. Um, yeah. But like I said earlier, I think we are, we both are on this. We know where our eventual goals are. Yeah. So we don't really, you know, it's really more of a, no, but I want to <laughs> no, but I want to kind yeah. of thing. Then, That's probably true. Yeah. So in the, be- in the beginning, I think there were a couple of fights, um, especially because John had twice as much debt that I had, than I had, but he paid his off before I did. Mm. <laughs> yes, that's an interesting topic. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I what I what I hear in all that too, guys, is that you figured out what you valued because you obviously value vacation now more over, you know, the expensive things or the nickel and diming, um, and and <clears throat> that's that's the first tenet in the build a bigger life blueprint is figuring out what you value, because I think people will continue to work for a paycheck thinking that what they value is all the stuff. And then they get to this point where they're like, eh, the stuff doesn't do it for me anymore. I want a life outside of what I'm working for. So what does that mean? And I think that there's more about what you value in that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the whole reason that we're working on debt-free guys is because we want to be able to spend more time together. So yeah. that's it. Tenants, so. That's, cool. your relation- that's your relationship. Uh, freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Relationship yeah. freedom. Yeah. 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 So money, freedom, time, money, freedom, time, freedom, relationship, freedom, and service freedom. Um, what books do, have you guys read that that's brought you to this point? Give me three books. I quote probably um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People twice a week. <laughs> um, luckily for me, uh, when I was a senior year in college, I think it was, a professor gave me that book, and it has been profound. I highly recommend that. Nice. Um, it's, it's a great book. Um, I mentioned earlier I'm a huge Napoleon Hill fan. Think and Grow Rich is just an amazing book to me. Um, you know what I think is so funny about it is I think a lot of people buy it because they love that title. Oh, I'm going to do something with my head. I'm going to become rich. But really that book is so much more about who you are on the inside yeah. and becoming the person that you want to be and then the rest of it all falls in, in place. Yeah. I love that book too. There's a quote I have on my wall. You've probably heard it, me talk about it on the show before, but having definiteness of purpose for acquiring wealth is essential for its acquisition. And, and I see you guys having definiteness of purpose now, you know, I've read some of your posts too. And, and, and the video that you recently posted about the dream that came true for you guys, which is great. That's definiteness of purpose. No one acquires the kind of wealth that we're talking about unless you have definiteness of purpose to acquire it. And I had a, I <clears throat> did an interview yesterday with Rocky Lalvani, who I don't know if you met Rocky or not. He was at FinCon with us in Charlotte. Oh, yes, we did. And yeah. um, he said, you know, the first the first thousand is hard. The second thousand is easy. It makes it's a lot easier. The first ten thousand is hard. The second ten thousand is a little bit easier. The first hundred thousand is hard. Second hundred thousand is a little bit easier. And he said, you know, it may take you thirty or forty years to get to a million. But you may get to the second million in five more years, you know, because you figure it out. And I think it is having that definiteness of purpose. So I'm in agreement with you. That book is a, that was a game changer for me after the sixth time of reading it. It took me six times. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, some of these books we do read over and over again. I've read Seven Habits probably 
five times at this point. Yeah. Um, I think my next recommendation falls in line with what you were just saying is The Alchemist by uh, Paolo Calo. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole idea of finding out what your personal legend is and trying to make, you know, and working towards making that happen. Yeah. Like, you definitely a purpose or whatever your reason for being on this earth is. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's very powerful and told in a very interesting way. Um, for me, I think the other one is be just because of its simplicity, its ability to use in almost every single aspect of your life and to use so well for teaching your kids. I, I gave it to my stepson when he turned 14, is The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm. That book is so, it's so insightful and it just makes so much sense. And it's so easy to read. It, it's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a great book. 10% of whatever you make is yours to keep, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, are we doing three each? Um, yeah, three each. My third one would be a random walk down Wall Street. Cool, Burton. But yeah, it's um, you know, there's some there's some questionable information on there, but I think anybody who um, is does not understand the stock market or what that's all about, I think it's a great, uh, well told uh, story. Yeah. Uh, so I'd highly recommend that. Last one, David. My third is uh, is not along the finance lines. It's more along the the. Um, personal habits line 50 uh, shades of gray (laughs) (laughs) eat pray love (laughs) uh, it's buddhist boot camp oh cool um, by uh timber hawkeye and the reason i love that is because i'm a habits person i've had to break a lot of bad habits throughout my life and it it's the thing i love about that is it's a page or a page and a half for one chapter i can read that and digest it every single day i have it at my uh, on my desk at work and I read it from time to time. There are days when I get into one of those moods where I'm either frustrated or irritated or depressed or whatever. And I just pick that up and I change my mood because I'm changing my habit. Nice. That's great. No one's ever mentioned that book, in fact. So you are the first. You are the token Buddhist book. And who gave that to you as a Christmas gift one year? <laughs> yep. I didn't even buy that book on my own. <laughs> well done, John. Well done. Or did that come from your oh, mom? Yes, yes, it was me. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Guys, what, uh, what does building a bigger life mean to each of you? Uh, again, this is something I had to write down because it, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's really is coming true for us, but it's what I love about building a bigger life is it's waking up every morning and going to bed every night with a smile of satisfaction on my face. And, uh, and that's really because I have so much love in my life. Um, it's love from the person I'm with, the people I get to spend my time with, uh, the, the work that I'm doing. The, the responses from people on Facebook or Twitter saying, keep it up. Thank you very much. You're making a difference. Or I, I love what you're doing. It's, it's seeing that kind of uh, fulfillment in my life. I love that. And that's what, um, why I feel like I am starting to really build a bigger life. That's cool. Yeah, for me, I, th- I think that the, a key ingredient to that is living, you know, whether you know, money consciously or whatever, having de- definite a purpose, but just living consciously. And I think a lot of us, it's easy for us to graduate high school or college and then get into the work system and then get on that, what is in the, the hamster wheel. And you're just kind of gone in circles. And people can't figure out how they can get off that, fair, that, that hamster wheel. And I think it's just once you figure out why you're put on this earth and then you work towards that goal, it just makes your life that much better. And that's why you can continue to work, you know, three jobs, you know, the way we are right now, um, because we're, we're living consciously and we're living, you know, for our purpose. 
Um, so I think that's a key ingredient. Cool. Great answers from both of you. Um, you. I got to tell you guys, I, again, and I mentioned it before, I love what you're up to. Um, keep it up. You're doing great work. You're doing yeoman's work. This is the stuff that, that people need to hear. And the fact that you're doing it and you're doing it well and you're creating videos and content for people to follow, I think is, is super important. So don't ever underestimate what you're doing and the power that it has to change other people's lives. It was a, just a pleasure and an honor for me to meet you guys at FinCon. So I appreciate you um, taking the time to be with me today. Well, Definitely. thank you. And likewise, you know, we, David and I listen to your podcast all the time. We go to the gym every morning and we're both doing cardio and we're listening to one of your episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we, we get a lot of, um, you know, uh, what's the energy from, from your show. So thanks for what you do as well. Absolutely, man. That's humbling. Thank you for saying that and keep up the great work. I'd love to have you guys back on the show. Um, you know, once you're, uh, you've got, awesome. you know, yeah, mass <laughs> success and everyone knows you and the books are bestsellers and all that. Cause I know it's just a matter of time. Thank you. Thank you. You <laughs> bet guys. We'll talk soon. Cool. Definitely. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the show. Every one of my interviewees has certain things in common, which I've summarized in the blueprint available at buildabiggerlife.com. It contains the nine core tenets extracted from each of the past interviews and will get you started building your own version of a bigger life. If you liked what you heard on the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.